0: Hi, I'm Coach Ricky Ronnie and you're listening to The Monarchist. Monarch Nation. It's Sunday, so we're back with another post-game recap with Gary and Aaron. How y'all doing tonight, guys?
1: Uh, been uh, been better after you know, both my teams taking a loss this weekend, but I had a, had a good time at least on Saturday. Had
2: a great time with you guys this weekend, fellas. Obviously, between our Monarchs and my Commanders losing, I'm wearing a dark shirt to commiserate, but brighter times are ahead.
0: So, we all know, final score, Liberty 38, ODU 24, but before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game, let's talk about our pregame and the crowd and all that stuff. So, late in the week, we made a plan to abandon tailgating because we didn't plan anything and we thought Blue Lot would be underwater. So, luckily, we uh, we decided to try bar hopping and we tried to hear the dog. What happened there, Gary?
1: Well, it was it was pretty packed, understandably so. It was going to be like a 45 minute wait, so I popped down to Recovery Sports Bar and Grill over down on 45th and Hampton. We basically started out with the whole bar to ourselves, which was pretty awesome. So I had a good time there. Ended up staying there until we headed over to the stadium around 5:15, uh, 5:30. Yeah,
2: it was great. I know we had a good time. The Buffalo Chicken Sandwich was quite tasty. And uh, we did have that place all to ourselves until the table started filling in. We had a baseball table right behind us, which quickly became loud. Because when is it not loud whenever you run into Bobby DiChiro and uh, Mr. Ransom and uh, Mr. Dangler and then all the fellows. So that was good to see. And then before you knew it, that place was pretty packed.
0: Yeah, it was pretty cool going to put a face to the name of Dan Dangler. Keith Ransom, Bobby. Always a good time seeing Bobby. Absolutely. Right. So, I don't know about you guys, but I guess the rain scared quite a bit of the fans away. We had 18,000 announced. I'm guessing that would be tickets sold. But it was probably, I don't know. I don't know if I could put a number on it, but it didn't seem like there was many. There was a lot of empty seats, and... There wasn't much as much red as I expected for an in state opponent.
1: Yeah, I think the threat of the hurricane earlier in the week kind of altered a lot of people's plans. I mean, imagine Liberty fans, if you were looking at the weather on Tuesday, you're probably like, there's no way I'm going to Norfolk and putting on my water wings and going to that game. I will tell you, like driving from Richmond to Norfolk and then back to Richmond today, it's the easiest drive I have had on 64 in in years when it wasn't like the middle of the night. I mean it was a hour 30 down and hour 30 back, which is about as as quick as you're gonna make it, you know, not going 90 miles an hour. So I, I think it wasn't just the ODU game that got impacted by those plans. I think a lot of people just they weren't going to the beach that weekend. They were trying to stay away from the coast with kind of the uncertainty. It turned out to be a beautiful day for football. I mean you don't get much better weather than that, but Just judging by the interstate traffic, I think a lot of people avoided going to 757 in the coastal areas this weekend.
2: Yeah, and we can't finish pregame discussions without talking about finally being able to make the connection with Brittany and Hudson. I know y'all have been trying to do that for weeks, though, huge smiles. So that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, Brittany was very excited to meet Hudson. So appreciate y'all helping to to make that happen. It, it made her week. She's a Virginia Tech grad, but she's the trooper and comes to pretty much all the ODU games with me. So meeting Hudson definitely made her day. And I think she's been researching how much it costs to now sponsor an additional muscle on a dog. So we'll have to look at that uh, when Hudson's wrapping up his training here at the end of next year.
0: All right. Now we all know how the game ended, but let's start with the fluky first quarter. Gets off to a weird start. We get that pass. Liberty scores pretty quickly, but the plays, Tobias gets a pass interference. The guy makes one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life live. One hands it. While he's boxing out Tobias, pushing off of him. Honestly, should have probably been offsetting pass interference calls and replay the down, but what a catch.
1: Yeah, I mean... He was incredible really all night, but that, that one-handed catch in the end zone was impressive. Uh, and to do it while stiff-arming a, a defensive back out of the back of the end zone, Tobias kind of grabbed his arm to hold hold on really to keep from getting kind of blown out the back of the end zone. But incredible catch. I'm sure that made Sports Center top 10. I was not uh, interested in watching that later in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't look. I heard it actually made number one, but you're absolutely right. It should have been offsetting penalties. Those, I mean, those guys were both going at it. There's either no call or you got to call that on both of them but it was a phenomenal catch. I mean, it, it hushed the crowd. We were all looking at each other, like, you know, what do you do there? I mean, even the players on the sidelines were like, that, that's, that's a great catch.
1: Yeah. And it was kind of in this sequence of really three or four really unfortunate plays for ODU in the first seven and a half minutes. I mean, really third, third play of the game, Zach Koontz goes down within the injury on watching it it was it it didn't look didn't look great on the camera I didn't want to watch it too many times but I was a a little bit hopeful in the fact that he didn't immediately go to the locker room didn't come out in a mobilizer like he was on the bike a little bit walk around the sideline you know certainly don't know the extent of, of that injury I'm sure our athletic training staff and Justin Walker will be doing everything they can to get him right you know just wish Zach nothing but the best not only for ODU and their season this year but his draft stock and draft status I mean Never never want to see a guy like that who works so hard and has been just great for us go down with an injury and, you know, impact him long term.
2: Yeah, I did notice that at the end of the half, he grabbed his helmet and he did jog into the locker room. So sending good vibes his way that it's just something after a couple weeks of rest that he's good to go. You're lucky and just be a sprain
0: or something like that. I was told today there's no concern about him missing the next game. So he should be good to go for Coastal. That is
1: that is great news. So Zach Koontz goes down, first kind of unfortunate event that happens. Uh, next play, you know, pass over the middle to what would have normally been Zach's route. Passes a little high, a little hot, but definitely on the hands. Kicks and bounce perfectly up to Liberty's safety. Gets intercepted, run back. Next play is the amazing catch in the end zone. Just kind of a funky sequence. To start the game, normally we're complaining about, you know, the offense got off to a slow start. Couldn't stop doing three and outs. We actually didn't. We got a first down on our first play. I thought the offense looked good. We were creative and doing things we haven't done before. Great having Blake Watson back. So the, the kind of rough start to go down early was just kind of just fluky. It was weird.
0: Speaking of flukes, so uh, so after they score, we exchange a few punts, and then there's the next touchdown, which. Should have falls into Robert Kennedy's hands. He can't get control of it, and bounces right into a Liberty offensive player's hands for a touchdown. Unlucky. I can't. I can't really crush Robert for dropping the ball. It happens, but you'd like for him to catch that. I mean, it's right in his hands.
2: You know, it's one of those things that it just bounced off the liberty wide receiver just happened to be running towards it and it came right to him like you said as fluky as it gets sometimes the ball just bounces your way sometimes it bounces the other way and early in that game the ball just bounced liberty's way nothing else to say about that really
1: yeah and you know, credit to to Liberty for not giving up on the play. I mean, that ball was overthrown by ten or fifteen yards, and I think it kind of surprised everybody on the field a little bit how far overthrown that ball was. It could have could have been a pick. You know, it's always easy for me to say that sitting in the stands about twelve beers deep, but it, it is like what, what are the chances that it bounces so perfectly back to Liberty's wide receiver who's still running down the field to make a play, gets it and goes in the end zone, and all of a sudden it's 14 to nothing before we really know what's going on out there.
2: I mean, in stride. The guy, the guy didn't even break stride. No, from my angle,
0: it was clear that he was taking a beeline to Robert. He was prepared to tackle. And that was why he was coming right at him. So I think the receiver was just making a play, and it just happened to bounce right into his hands after that, that bobble.
1: It looked like the most perfectly executed hook and ladder you've ever seen.
0: That's what it looked like. Yeah, really unfortunate series of events. But ODU responds really well with a long touchdown drive. Eight plays, 35 yards. They even had some penalties mixed in there, but they kept on chugging and showed some resiliency. We got a Peter Kikwata sighting. Nice 23-yard catch. Um, Marquez Bell made a play. He had a catch. I think both making their first catches of the year. Is that right?
1: I believe so. I think Kikwata may have had one or two other catches, but but not a lot. And really, it's you know you lose Zach Coons, who's such a huge weapon in your offense. I mean, he's if 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 he's not getting the ball, it's it's going to be Ali Jennings, you know, in the, in the passing game. So it's kind of you know the the challenge is issued to the other skill players, like who is going to step up and and carry that load and and be that guy. Um, I I thought there's several people that did. Javon Harvey had a fantastic football game. He doesn't always end up on the stat sheet, but he does a lot in kind of the the decoy game of getting people open. He does a great job blocking on a lot of plays, but to see him get some catches, get some yards, really build his confidence there was great to kind of have that, that extra person step up. And then also Blake Watson making catches out of the backfield. I mean, he had a, a heck of a game receiving the ball too. But it, it's, it's what we've seen from ODU all year. Like They get kind of punched in the mouth early, and it wakes them up, and they respond accordingly and, and come right back.
2: And then, um, Gary, we're talking about first here to cap this drive off. What first do we see here?
1: I was losing my mind in the stands. Hayden Wolf kept on a read option off the right side. Looked like a gazelle going into the end zone. He ran the ball quite a few times in this game. I thought this was probably the best game of Hayden's career, most complete game of Hayden's career. Uh, you know, he had he had talked about you know, a lot of external factors were, were weighing on him with, you know, basically his hometown was right in the path of Hurricane Ian. A lot of friends and family were impacted, you know, homes completely wiped out. And he kind of said, you know, if, if they can get through all that, I think I can get through a college football game. Uh, he played with incredible confidence, with poise. He looked like he was having fun out there. Uh, but – I mean, I, I probably annoyed everybody in Section 107 screaming Hayden kept the ball or, for about 30 seconds after he scored there.
0: One more note on Javon since you brought him up. He had an amazing tackle on a punt. Just great, like, just a phenomenal tackle that stop them for no gain. I remember being like, that was Javon. Shocking there. But the run by Hayden, perfectly set up, naked bootleg to the right side with no one home. And he outruns the one defender that's chasing him down. Happy to see it. Wouldn't want to see more of it. It's really great play by Hayden. After he ran the ball,
2: I was trying to pay particular attention to this. I think it was after the second time he ran the ball. He seemed to have gained some level of confidence like, hey, I can do this. I can run the ball. You know, I can find my way through the line here. And. You know, he made some rushers miss, moved in the pocket, looking up and keeping a good scan of the field of who he was going to throw it to if it wasn't there. He hesitated less in running the ball than we've seen him before. So hopefully it's one of those things he realizes that he's got another tool in his tool belt, and when it's appropriate, he won't hesitate
0: to use it as much. Yeah, it would have been nice to see him keep on another RPO-type play, but the other runs we saw him have were Scrambles. Um, Next drive from Liberty. Pretty short one. Salter getting pressure, throws a pick. Odie gets the ball and has a nice eight-play, 40-yard touchdown drive. Capped off with the pass to Ali. Some key plays on this. We had a holding that brought us to first and 20. And the the big play there was the back-to-back passes to Ollie Jennings. Ollie continues to be phenomenal for us. I think he's now leading the country in yards again.
1: Yeah, and, and he was getting a lot of attention from the Liberty defense. Most of those catches on that drive, he was in double, if not triple coverage, and he was able to shake free. He'd made some great passes through traffic to get the ball to him. Uh, also, I really liked on this drive is that we went quickly and tried to kind of ambush and, and take the momentum. The interception, you know, redemption for for Robert Kennedy getting the interception on that play. Again, another pretty horribly thrown ball by Salter. I, I, I don't know, maybe he is still injured and he's just not able to throw the ball very well. But I I don't think I've seen a quarterback be that inaccurate in a long time. And he he made great plays with his feet, moved in the pocket. You know, the first touchdown pass that he threw. He escaped pressure, got to the outside, threw on the run, and put one right on the money. So it almost seemed like when he had time, he was worse throwing the ball than than when he didn't. But the the offense went quickly, uh, and I thought this was another good example of Old Dominion's offensive line really having come together since the Arkansas State game. They were good the whole night. There were very few guys getting in totally unblocked, and they were going against two really good defensive ends throughout the game. But it's kind of one of those things, all right, you know, the blocking is there. Hayden moving in the pocket. Guys are getting open. And then, you know, Ollie Jennings just making three incredible catches on that drive.
0: Our right, next drive from Liberty is a seven-play, 83-yard touchdown drive. This is right around the beginning of the second quarter. We had some good plays on this drive. Chris Trina got a sack with Denzel Lowry, but penalty keeps that one alive. And then Day Hunter Breaks free for a 29-yard run. He was phenomenal against us on Saturday night. He was the star of the show for Liberty.
1: Yeah, I mean, we knew coming in that he was going to be a problem. But, you know, 15 carries, 122 yards and two touchdowns. Also, three catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. I mean, just just a great talent there. That's kind of one of the key things that, you know, and I heard this in the post-game press conference as well, Tackling and gap assignment was a problem for us on certain drives. Some drives, we were great. We stayed disciplined. We made great tackles. Um, but really on this drive, kind of the, the, the missed tackles, being a little bit out of position in the second level, uh, really, really hurt us when there were times we could have gotten off the field. But again, you're, you're trying to, to tackle a really, really good running back, and it's not easy. Um, but you know, Jason Henderson talked about a lot in that postgame press conference, Like we have to tackle better. We've got guys in position, and they're just not making the plays, and we have to get better there.
0: All right, Odie responds with a 12-play, 58-yard drive that is ended with a field goal, making the game 21-17. The key play on this drive was probably the 27-yard pass to Javon Harvey. He had a, what, seven-catch seven night, 70, around 70 yards. Yeah, he caught
2: every ball. Every target he caught seven for seven, pretty pretty impressive last night.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. coming into his own. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was
1: it obviously like to get a get a touchdown on that drive, but the the down and distance kind of got extended by a couple penalties there, and we had to go for the field goal. But Ethan Sanchez blasted one through like it was like it was nothing. So it was good to get the points there, cut it down to less than a touchdown game.
0: After that, Liberty and ODU exchange punts on the next four drives. The final play of the half is an 11-play, 62-yard drive from Liberty that has ended with a sack and then an interception. The pressure got to Salter, and he made a bad decision. I think that was Robert Kennedy that gets his retribution on that one. And that's the last time we see Salter for the game. That's
1: right. Yeah. I think that was Trey Hawkins that had that pick. Kennedy had the the first first, first pick or earlier in the game. But it was kind of, again, a, a, he got absolutely smoked as he let that ball go. I believe it was Mark Haynes that hit him. The ball kind of just gets thrown almost straight up in the air. It was kind of the, the longest, like, two seconds of your life waiting for that thing to come down. But we get the pick, get a little bit of a return. But, you know, into end the, of the half there, not letting Liberty get points. To to extend the lead was big. You felt like Old Dominion had a lot of momentum going into the locker room. Defense had played well. Salter couldn't complete a pass, but you know that that changed the dynamic a little bit when we started up the third quarter.
0: All right, so halftime, twenty one seventeen. Liberty decides to go to Bennett. I don't blame him for it. Salter might be may have had one of the worst quarterback performances we've seen in Ballard. He just. Lacked accuracy past 10 yards. Definitely the worst visiting quarterback we've seen in a while. All right. Liberty and ODU exchange punts on the first two drives of the second half, and then Liberty has a seven-play 29-yard drive that ends with the field goal, pushing the game to 24-17. to 17.
1: Yeah, and in, in ODU's first drive of the, the second half, you know, started at their own five-yard line. I mean, they were, they were backed up from the jump. But really the, the whole flow and dynamic of the game changed in the second half. Like I, I had to go and make sure that the box score was accurate, but Old Dominion only had five offensive drives in the entire second half. To give you some perspective on that, we had five drives in the first quarter of this game. Liberty with Bennett coming out there went to more of a ground and pound. We're going to run it. We're going to take the 40 seconds on the play clock. And we are going to shorten this game and limit the number of possessions that ODU gets. They were pretty effective in that. And then the few drives that Liberty had, I believe that they had six in the second half. They made the most of those drives.
0: All right. So 24-17, ODU responds very well with an eight-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, capped off with a 16-yard pass from Hayden to Blake Watson.
2: Yeah, I was impressed with Blake last night. You can tell he's a difference maker. You can also tell that he was hurting last night. Every time he pulled himself off the turf, you can tell that it took a little bit. But the dude is a warrior. He was out there making plays. He's a difference maker, clearly. But I'm glad we're into the bye week to give him a chance to kind of get back
0: a little bit, a little bit healthier and hopefully not be quite as nicked up. So yeah. on this drive, we also saw the other big run from Hayden. This was the ten yard, the ten yard run that he had on the scramble. Yeah, awesome. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, just just another good example of him being able to extend plays and add another weapon to our toolkit offensively. It was forcing Liberty to account for him in the offense on the ground. So you saw a little bit less pressure when we did have have some running plays. Uh, you know, Blake Watson he had 15 carries and had six receptions, so 21 touches. There were also four plays where he got a touch, but it was wiped off the board because of a penalty. So, I mean, he had a pretty heavy workload on Saturday night. And, you know, he was banged up coming in. You know, obviously missed the Arkansas State game. You know, we don't put out any kind of public injury list or questionable, doubtful, anything like that. But with the five really tough games we've had to start this season, I imagine that that questionable probable list would be pretty long like it, anyone that's got a decent number of snaps they're banged up bumps bruises sore wrist knee whatever i mean it, it wears on you and we've played five very tough very physical football teams so i think the the bye week is coming at a very very good time for us to to get a little bit healthier
0: all right 24 24 all liberty responds themselves with a the six place 70 yard touchdown drive this is the one when we had the illegal substitution on the kickoff. I guess that would be the equipment in one, right?
2: Yeah, was that the the two number seven jerseys?
0: Yeah, Asbury and who was Amari
1: on Granger was the other
0: seven. There it is. Granger and Asbury on the field. illegal equipment. Now we know that that's, that's an
2: actual know. thing. <laughs>
0: That's what the penalty is when you have two people with the same number. Cause I I hear illegal equipment and I'm thinking. All right. Someone's
2: well. got spikes on their shoulder pads like the Road Warriors or something like that. <laughs> you know, a funky laser visor. But no. Two of the same jersey.
1: Yeah. And normally we use like a tearaway jersey to go over top of any duplicate numbers that are on special teams. I, I don't don't know how, how that happened if it fell off or, or what. But, you know, the, the touchdown drive that gave Liberty the lead, uh, they had a, it, it got finished off with a, a pretty long run. And I think th- this is you know, kind of some of the things we're talking about with the officiating of, you know, you, you can call holding on every play, right? Like a hold happens. How ticky-tack do you want to be? But if you're going to be kind of ticky-tack and heavy on one side, you should probably not miss blatant penalties on the other side. And on this play, the run goes to the right side, kind of a stretch play. Trey Hawkins is in position to make this tackle. And somebody in a Liberty jersey from behind grabs him by the fa- face mask and yanks him out of the play. You call it a hold, you can call it a face mask, whatever you want. But Trey Hawkins is there to make that tackle. And he's basically not able to. It happens for everyone. We saw it from 107. You, you don't get that call. They score a touchdown, they take the lead. We, we never get back into the game from that point. There were a lot of those kind of like, if you're going to call it one way, call it the other kind of things. And I think that's what had Coach Ronnie so frustrated throughout the game is that, you know, you get three penalties for 30 yards and what 12 for 140 on the other side or 14 for 120, whatever it was insane.
2: Yeah. We haven't even talked about some of the other weird calls or inconsistent calls.
0: So so we're bringing it up. Let's talk about it. All Um, right. We had Liberty has a big run up the sideline. He clearly steps out of bounds. We all see his foot on the white. They review it. So we're hopeful, okay, they're going to bring it back. They review it for, for at what felt like forever, and they come back and they say, oh, play stands. I, I still don't understand that one. Obviously, the, the penalty discrepancies is ridiculous considering how much they were running and how much of their successful runs were stretch runs to the outside, which are going to have holds. And then we have the 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 difference in how the lateral passes that were behind the line of scrimmage and backwards were both treated. The exact same play for both teams. Liberty should have lost 14 yards on that play. Instead, their their play is just called an incomplete pass for whatever reason, which I, I can't figure out. Uh, that ends up leading to a, a field goal for them, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, they they call that an incomplete pass. It's a 14-yard swing. And they were barely in field goal range. I mean, he had to kick a pretty long field goal to get that. But I, I, I rewatched that multiple times, trying to figure out the justification on, you know, why it got overturned. Because they called it correctly on the field. The referees on the field called that play correctly. The the he does get hit when he throws, but the ball lands four yards behind where he's standing and goes out of bounds. Like it's a pretty clear fumble. It's not you know the the Tom Brady tuck or the open hand rule. Like that's where the ball was thrown to almost as like, I'm getting hit and I have to dump this pass. And then you see the exact same scenario unfold for ODU with Hayden Wolf. And <laughs> it's called a fumble on the field and doesn't get overturned. And it, it's, it's just frustrating with those inconsistencies. And I'm pretty sure that's when, when coach Ronnie was just letting the rest have it on the other side. And, and I don't blame him. He, he usually keeps his composure on those things, but it gets to the point where you have to stick up for your guys. And I was, I was happy to see him do that.
2: It is. We've heard Ricky talk about that multiple times. He understands there's going to be calls. And he wants there to be calls. But I think what he's conveyed is what upsets him the most is when the calls are inconsistent. And clearly there were inconsistent calls last night on a number of occasions. But the two plays that you just talked about, Gary, are probably the biggest ones. And you're right. That's that's kind of when Ricky channeled all of us and had a nice discussion with whatever offici- officials would listen to him. It took him a while to be able to get him to actually come over and listen to him, but he definitely gave them some feedback.
0: So he said that on the show, if you remember, my biggest issue with the referees was them not calling the games consistent both ways. And he agreed with that. And l- last night, we could, I think any OD fan that's honest with themselves and any Liberty fan that is honestly looking at this game should be able to admit that this game was not cold both ways.
1: Yeah, and, and I won't say that the officials are the reason that we lost that football game. There were you know, no. plenty of other factors that, that could have, have changed the outcome from plays to weird bounces, whatever it was, tackling all those things. But it really just – you can't completely rule it out as a factor because of, of what the impact it had. I mean, you're talking about touchdowns that would have gone on the board, gone off the board, field goals that would have been made. You know, like I, I thought the officials in the Arkansas State game – did pretty well and let a lot of stuff go. Like we didn't talk about on the podcast last week, but I kind of followed up with some tweets of how chippy that Arkansas state game was when there were a lot of hits after the whistle, there's a lot of stuff on the sideline, but to the officials credit, they didn't call it on ODU. They didn't call it on Arkansas state. I think both teams were equally guilty of some after the play shenanigans, but they, they just let it go. And, you know, I, I would much rather see refs let little holds go either way. And rather than, you know, start missing blatant face masks and calling the most ticky tack holds that you've you've really seen on replay review. I know, uh, I think in the Sunbelt, you can submit 10 plays for reviews on officials. I imagine that, you know, Coach Ronnie is probably having to bring about 50 to the cutting board to make sure he sends the uh, the top 10 there to the league. Aaron?
2: No, I'm still thinking about that face mask. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a 30, it's a 32 yard run. If it's called a face mask, well, it's called a face mask. What's that? Fifteen. If it's called a hold, it's ten. So now I don't even know what down down was there. I was trying to scan through the plays. It was second and six. Second and six. So I mean, now you're talking about second and sixteen or you know second and twenty one at the forty two yard line instead of a touchdown. That's a pivotal play. It It was twenty four. It was twenty four twenty four at that time, right? It
0: would have moved it back to the forty seven.
2: Yeah. I think we're, I think it was a tie game at that point. May I, I could be wrong. Maybe we were down seven. I don't know. You're you're right.
0: It was the touchdown winning drive.
2: Yeah. So, absolutely. There, there were tons of opportunities missed for us in this game. We didn't tackle as well as we could have. There were lots of missed opportunities. But to just say that there weren't opportunities where this game shifted, that is a critical point in the game that the lack of a call none of us are arguing that any of the the penalties on odu were not legit you know when we rewatch that we see they're legit but really the the argument like we said earlier is the lack of consistency of what was called on that side and that was one example of a lack of a call creating a huge turning point in the game
0: if we look at the stats if you didn't know the final score, you would assume Odie. We won time of possession. We won the turnover battle. Uh, yards were pretty close. They all ran us, but overall you'd think, yeah, Odie probably won that game if you didn't we'll see take the
2: penalty. take that 32-yard run off the board, though.
0: Yeah. But credit to Liberty's skill position players, I was really impressed by them. They had some really good players at receiver and running back that uh, were pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. I mean, for, for them to put up the points they did with, you know, basically their second string quarterback who had a really bad night in the first half, putting in a third string quarterback who, you know, did, did not look good in, in their game last week, but, you know, only threw nine passes, but completed seven of them, looked look pretty good. The, their skill position players are fantastic. I mean, Hunter, Yarborough, Lewis, they, they've got some great skill players in a lot of places and they made big plays. Um, you know, we were missing tackles, but at the same time, they were they were causing a lot of those missed tackles. So yeah, their their skill position players were were pretty strong on the offensive side of the ball. No doubt.
0: All right. So the rest of the game, we don't really need to talk about we don't what happened at this point.
1: Um, well, I, I do want to give a, a a shout out to Old Dominion's defense. For for us being down two scores at that point to not give up. It would have been really easy just to let Liberty punch it in there. Like you're down two scores. You're probably not coming back to win that game. But as we've seen all year, they don't quit. They take every play and, and they made the stop there. Then Liberty misses the field goal. And then all of a sudden, like, right, we're not totally out of this game. Like we have a chance. We, it's going to be tough. We could score two touchdowns, but credit to them for continuing to play hard and, and work hard and take pride in not letting those points get scored. So I that's the only thing I wanted to, wanted to discuss in that, but I want to make sure I give the defense a shout-out for, for showing zero quit on that drive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Defense was pretty good down the stretch after that eight-play, 99-yard drive that we didn't talk about from Liberty.
1: Uh, um, very easily could have been a three and out, but there was a defensive holding penalty. You I know, mean, Liberty probably should have been putting out of the shadow of their own goalposts and giving us pretty good field position. But, you know, it, 50-50, whether that was a defensive hold, like you could go either way but obviously that call on saturday night was was going to get called
2: yeah any 50-50 was more like 95-5 last night the coin had two heads
0: we got no favors at all no all right 3824 what do you lose this we are now 2 and 3 on the season we're headed to the bye week before we talk about the bye week and the rest of the season, let's first talk about your stars of the game for ODU.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to look over the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to say Alonzo Ford had two sacks on the night. was really a, a force to be to be reckoned with on that side. It was uh, nice to to see him step up. There are some other guys I could mention, but Aaron, I'll I'll let you take the uh, the offensive star there.
2: Man, there's a couple. And I'm afraid I'm going to steal Mike's. But I'm going to go with Javon Harvey. I mean, Javon stepped up big. I mean, obviously in the box score, you see the seven catches for 64. But he did some other things throughout the game that don't necessarily sit on the stats. So it's always nice to see, especially 757, you know, representing home. But I was impressed with Javon.
0: He had a great game last night. I'm going to list two here. First is Blake Watson. 15 carries, 80 yards, averaging over five yards a carry. Most of that's because of that big 30 yard run. But he also had six catches and 60 yards receiving. So 140 all purpose yards. Pretty great night. Happy to have him back. He was phenomenal. Uh, obviously, Ollie continues to be a superstar for us. So we're kind of at this point. You have an eight catch night for 129 yards. And it's like, okay, that's just what he does now.
2: He's pinned. He's pinned on our player of the game. He is every game.
0: We're just adding to it. So, but my other one was actually going to be Ethan Dwayne. He continues to be a phenomenal punter. He was awesome again. Six six punts, 42-yard average. He pinned three inside the 20. His long was 49. I mean, he was just good at not out kicking his coverage, and putting them in a tough position to return. Dude,
2: talk about talk about the one kick kicking towards the uh, north end zone. And there's this dude to my right. So Ethan kicks this ball. We're punting from like the 40, so it's a short field already. People are like, why aren't we going for it? So he kicks the ball, and this guy's yelling like, oh, my God, why would you do that? And the ball's got <clears throat> it's kind of as opposed to a spiral, it's, it's backspinning. And I, th- I swear that thing must've hit on the one yard line or the two yard line and kicks back and special teams goes down there and secures that thing right on the one yard line. And I turn and look and we both just smiled, no words needed. And it was just like, all right, that's why you do that.
1: Yeah. And it's awesome to see Ethan have another good night. I know his parents were there again for the game last night. So two for two with the, with the parents in attendance. I'm glad he's got to have two games, but and no one else said it, but I will say from the offensive side Hayden Wolf and Hayden Wolf's feet. That was, it was so great to see him. He just looked like he was actually having fun playing football for the first time in a while, like relaxed, confident, like being that true leader on the offense. Like, I, I hope that is like the start of the trend of seeing him play that way and knowing he has that confidence because it, his ability to move in the pocket and make the runs and, and keep the ball. Like, that helped our offense considerably. It opened up the run game. It, it, it got receivers open. It made the job of the offensive line, who played really well on Saturday, even better. But just really happy for Hayden. I know he had a lot weighing on his mind and a lot of stuff going on. But I thought he played an exceptional football game, and I hope that we see that even more coming out of the
0: bye week. Before we move on, I want to also give a shout-out for the, the defense. I know we struggled with the running backs, but they did a good job containing the quarterbacks on the run in this game, that which, which has been a problem all season. And it was a, a, my major concern coming into this game, given Salter's ability with his feet. Neither one of their quarterbacks did the, did much running the ball combined. Yeah, yeah. so that was, they, that was positive for me. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they, they did some creative things on the defense side of the ball to basically contain Salter to the pocket and make him pass. And as we saw, like, when he got contained in the pocket, he did not throw the ball very well. Like, he's very much that got to get outside and throw on the run kind of person. So, yeah, well-deserved well out to defense for stopping the QB run. Hopefully that can be a blueprint for us moving forward against some of these other dual-threat quarterbacks we're going to face. Because, uh, you know, I hate to break it to you, but after the bye week, it's not like the schedule gets
0: any easier. Yeah, Grayson McCall is waiting for us. Yeah, there's, right. there's
1: a there's a couple bad boys. Uh, coming down the line for us, for sure. yeah.
0: Chase Bryce, Todd Senteo, yeah. There's some good ones in there. So we're headed to buy. This is a good time to uh, get healthy, but also it's a good time to work on stuff. What would you guys like to see get worked on?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think this is a great time to make some some big tweaks to your offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, we ran the ball well against Liberty, and we started getting some things to open up but I think some of our original concepts of running and how we ran the ball last year are just not going to be our our strengths this season. Uh, You've kind of seen the adjustment occur over the last couple of games where we're throwing the ball more using the short pass instead of the run game. So I I definitely want to see some, some tweaks in that aspect of how we run the ball, how quickly running backs get to the line of scrimmage work on things like that. And of course, you know, anything we can add from a passing perspective and then our, our, Freshman wide receivers, Granger, Kikwada, getting them more involved in the playbook. They're incredible athletes. They're going to make big plays. Having this extra week to install them on some more packages will benefit us going down the stretch, especially if Kuntz does end up being out for an extended period of time. Hopefully not. He can have my knee, my ankle, whatever. Like I don't really use it anymore, so he can have it to to get better.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking about the defensive side of the ball. It's obvious that's a squad, and those guys have it going on. But I want to see us continue to get that type of pressure, especially on these quarterbacks that move around and want to run. It's harder to block for those kind of guys. So to be able to get more pressure on those guys to make more difficult passes and hopefully lead to some turnovers, whether they're you know sack fumble type or letting our defensive backs secure some interceptions like we saw last night.
1: Yeah. To, to piggyback on that real quick, the third and long defense. We've been good on third and short, but third and long, we've given up some big chunk plays. So I'd love to see some some adjustments there and how we approach those, like third and 10 plus.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to add anything there because I'm not sure there's anything else that really needs to be focused on offensively, defensively. You guys nailed it. So Let's move on to our last segment of the night and reasons for optimism at two and three.
1: Well, have some optimism there because we could have gone 0 and four in non conference play. I mean, you know, when we talked about this before the season started, we knew that our non conference play was really, really difficult. We were playing four really good teams. We weren't sure what to expect. We got the win against Tech. Probably should have been able to, to get a win there at UVA, but we're two and three. We have seven games left. I, I think. We've learned more about our future Sun Belt opponents that maybe don't make them as scary as they were preseason. They're still really good, but I'm I'm glad that we're sitting here at two and three and not one and four because I think if we were one and four, we'd be having a little bit different conversations right now. And also, I just I Saturday night was I feel like the best our offense has played all season. We finally got balance in time of possession. We ran more plays than they did, so you know there's no moral victories in a loss. Like you either win or you lose. But to see the offense kind of morph and show signs of, like, we're getting better and we're getting better and we keep getting better, having that momentum going into the bye week and then into really some hardcore conference play, that gives me some optimism that we're going to be able to score points and not end up in these holes early, you know, weird bounces, you know, permitting.
2: (laughs) I'm optimistic for all the reasons Gary talked about Hayden in this game and having a pep in a step, having fun seeing them use those feet, not turning the ball over or turning it over with a very small frequency, but the emergence of more than just Zach and Ali. So we've got guys that have been forced to step up when Zach got hurt. So I think that's going to pay dividends in the back half of the season of those guys getting reps, real game reps, and being able to contribute
0: meaningful plays down the stretch. Yeah, I think this is the most receivers he hit in a game. He had nine. Nine different guys register a catch in this game. I'd like to see that continue. Spreading around the ball is a great thing for the offense and just makes everything easier. I I would like to see Jordan Bly, Bell and Kikwata and Ranger, all those guys get more involved. But I still like this team a lot. This defense is is pretty damn good but if we can improve on third down like you mentioned in the last segment it could be really really good i hope i'm not just getting clouded for my judgment of all of our years of no to you but i like this defense <laughs> all right fellas so aaron do you want to tell everyone about what we got planned this week
2: Yo, know mike i'm stoked for this coming week the week might be a bye week for the football team but there is no time to rest for the monarchist podcast. We want to make sure that Monarch Nation isn't on board this week so we've got extra content for everyone to get us through the week. Tomorrow we will release our highly anticipated episode with Hudson and Brooke Corson from Mutz With a Mission. Then on Wednesday we drop our conversation with head women's basketball coach Delisha Milton-Jones. Coach talks with us in depth on her new squad and what to look forward to this season. Then on Thursday. Gary joins us to look ahead at the rest of the football season, revisit our preseason predictions, and get hype about everything post-bye week. There may be one more big surprise in store on Friday, if it's ready. If not, we'll have something super cool for everyone in the
0: not-too-distant future. Alright, fellas. So, this was our fifth and final straight week of attending football games for ODU. I week. I know Aaron probably does. We've We haven't missed a game in person yet, and we're tired. (laughs) We need this time, this Saturday, to recover and our let our livers repair a little bit for the rest of the second half of the season and this great week of podcasts we got headed your way. So thank you guys for joining me tonight. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.